God preserved his life and lets us enjoy him for how long has it been since your accident? 20 years? So we've got a couple extra decades to enjoy it, and maybe a couple more, so praise the Lord. You know, God is a God, uh, I don't want to start preaching right away, I guess I might, but God's a God that preserves. He preserves, and we're going to be in uh, James 5, and I'll just, I'm going to go over there right away, because it, it fits that, um, you know, James says, is any among you sick? And it also means uh, feeble. It means feeble and weak. And it says that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. It will save them. It will preserve them. All right? Um, so God preserves us. And so I know that there's some among us that are feeble, that are weak, and God will preserve you. Uh, we believe that God heals, and we're going to pray that God will heal you. And we're going to pray with faith that you'll be healed right away. But we have the promise that he will preserve you. He'll preserve you. He'll preserve you. So we're in James chapter 5. And we've been studying the book of James. And I love personally to take a book of the Bible. And we have a, a team that preaches. And we just go through. And, and uh, we don't really cherry pick. We kind of, we may adjust our schedule if, you know, the other demands require it. But we just walk through. And, and so we're at the end of James. We're going to be in James chapter 5, verse 13, if you're there uh, through the end of the chapter. So please turn in your Bible. It may appear on the screen. It may not. How's, this, how's the audio? Does it sound good to everyone? I don't want to be a distraction. Um, you know, uh, thinking about church and thinking about when people gather and when they come together, and, and I'm going to use some of my words, but I can, I can back it up biblically if you like. But when we come together on a Sunday morning to gather, you know, there's, there's three elements, uh, at least in the way that we do church here, uh, and well, around the world, really, um, in my experience. We have music, which we have more than music. We have worship, worship through music, right? We don't just have, uh, we ought not to just have music, right? Music is a gift from the Lord. It's a good thing. But worship through music is, uh, is beyond that. We have music, uh, and I use that word just because it starts with an M, because we also have a message, right, which comes from God's word. We have a teaching from God's word, and, and I believe we ought to have ministry. There ought to be ministry that takes place. And, you know, if we have technology, we can get music or worship music. You know, we can get world-class worship music, you know, on YouTube or in a CD, if they still make those things, or whatever, How, whatever the technology happens to be. We can get a message, we can, we can find uh, highly educated, very gifted, spiritually gifted teachers, and you can find all manner of teachers, by the way, but we can go and find a message, right? You can go find a better preacher online than me, more educated, more talented, more gifted. You can find a message, but the ministry portion is what the local church uniquely can offer the one anothering, the ministry to one another, I think that you can't replicate. Uh, although you, people can pray for you and you can connect through you know, Skype or Zoom or online or whatever, but there's something, uh, some dynamic that happens when two or three people gather in the name of Jesus. And so um, I think uh, that's, the local church maybe tries to compete in the music department and they try to compete in the message department, 
And I'm not sure that we're as strong as we ought to be in the ministry department. And that's where we can really uh, stand out. Does that make sense? Are you following me? So when I was looking at this passage today, um, initially I was like, this is, this is more to be obeyed. Uh, you could say this about all scripture, but this is more to be obeyed than to be studied. This is just, this is just something to do. Uh, we're going to study it, and I'll try not to study too much because when I got into it, then I, I, I found treasures, I believe. Um, but it says, I'm going to read it to you, because I li- and I like to read uh, the scripture up front because uh, God can, that's the, that's the meat of it, is God's word. And the Holy Spirit can do work, and you can ignore me and focus on God's words if you like, and let him minister to your heart. So let's read. Uh, is any among you in trouble? I'll read it up here, actually, because uh, I have an NIV. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So James is coming to the end of his letter. He's written to the diaspora the Jews, the believing uh, Jewish background believers that have scattered as a result of persecution. Uh, he's writing to them, and he's giving them what you could say is a series of tests. It's, it's, a, it's an examination. He's giving them instruction. He's giving them wisdom. But he's also giving them an examination to test whether they're in the faith. And he, he concludes um, with uh, an exhortation to confess as well as to go find those who've wandered and bring them back to the faith. And so he's concerned that there are people who are in the assembly of believers that um, are not walking in the truth, essentially. That there are people who are proclaiming the Lord and, and meeting, but maybe aren't walking it out, aren't walking in the light, they're not walking in the truth. And he wants us to examine ourselves and look at he, he gives us several categories that he wants us to examine. He starts with trials. How do we handle trials? Uh, do we have the right attitude regarding trials? We're just to count it pure joy, consider it pure joy. How do we handle circum- humble circumstances? How do we handle uh, situations that are perplexing and we need wisdom? How do we respond to the word, the, the word of the Lord? Are we only hearers or are we doers? How do we respond uh, to the moral filth and evil that's so prevalent? He says to get rid of it. How do we handle temptation or the, the enemy? We're to resist him. How do we treat others? Do we show favoritism? Do we categorize people? Do we treat them differently based on uh, categories that we, uh, our pet categories that we prefer? Or do we treat people uh, without partiality? Remember, that's a big part of God's character is he's, 
He does not show partiality. He's no respecter of persons. And God wants us to know that about him, and he wants it to be true of his people. Uh, how do we uh, handle the words that come out of our mouth? How do we discipline and train and, and handle our tongue? Does our faith have deeds? What kind of wisdom do we have? How do we suffer? How do we handle wealth or how do we handle poverty? He gives us a lot of categories to examine our lives to see where our treasure is. To see where our source is. Where do we turn? When you're in trials, where do you turn? And here's the same thing. Is any among you suffering or any among you in trouble? Where do you turn? He says, let him pray. Is anyone happy? Or is anyone well? Where do you turn? Let them sing songs of praise. You know, I think there's, uh, you know, there's, there's different times and people respond differently and turn to the Lord or turn away to the Lord in different circumstances. I'm, I don't know if that's very clear. But there's sometimes that people get into trouble and they, they use that as an excuse to turn away from the Lord. They enter into hardship and their response is that this is not fair, this is not right. This is not good. I don't deserve this. This is too difficult. I don't want to face this. And they enter into trouble, and they turn away from the Lord. And they use that as their excuse to sin. Right? We probably have been that person at times. We're irritated. We're frustrated. Um, maybe we're overwhelmed, and we want peace. Right? And we turn to an idol. We turn to... The, Sin, we turn to comfort, we turn to a substance to provide those things. But sometimes there's people that are in a hardship and they turn to the Lord, right? They turn to the Lord and they begin to walk with Him and He begins to set things in order. He's a God of order, He's not a God of chaos. He speaks and things go into order. And they begin to walk with him, and he puts their life in order, and then things begin to go well for them, don't they? And you've seen people, when things get ironed out and things go well, where do they turn? There's times when people escape hardship, and immediately they, they take their foot off the gas, they take their eyes off the road, they begin to veer or turn astray, they begin to get comfortable and complacent, they begin to, to relax and, and rest in the ease. And instead of turning to the Lord with the proper response, which is songs of praise, thanksgiving, they begin to just relax in their comfort. Maybe they begin to think they earned it or they deserve it or that they're just going to enjoy it. And they don't turn to the Lord. And we'll probably see a cycle, a repeating cycle. That may extend for a season, and then they find themselves, things unraveling, falling apart. And so really, in any circumstance, our response is to be turned to the Lord. It ought to be to turn to the Lord. You're suffering, you pray. Things are going well, you praise. You know, Merlin and I have had conversations about, uh, uh, we were talking specifically just last week about rejoicing. How Scripture gives us commands that are very simple, uh, pray in all circumstances, give thanks, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. 
There's things that Scripture tells us to do that often we just kind of glaze over. And we don't just, at a simple, practical, actual level, implement those in our lives. To our detriment, I think. I think uh, simple obedience to these things that God tells us to do in His Word is an antidote for many of the troubles that we face. It's a corrective for many of the ways that we would go off, off course and get astray. What's interesting is that you can, you can look these things up. And I'm, I am, I guess, a, perhaps a hobby or a, I have a lot of interest. I read about a lot of things. Uh, and so some of you guys know this about me. And uh, one of the things I'm interested in is, you know, the human body, uh, anatomy, physiology, the way things work in the human body. And you can look, science is discovering uh, all the time, you'll, you'll hear research and reports, uh, you'll read something like an article that'll say, science discovers singing is good for you. Science discovers that uh, laughing is, is good for your health. A, uh, a, having a, a practice of gratitude does something beneficial for you. Having uh, a regular prayer time does something for you. Being a part of a religious community does something good for you. You know, science will study these things and discover it, and it's like, really? Here, here's, the, here's something for you. If God says something is good, it's good. All right? And if somebody tells you that something that God said is good is bad, they're probably bad, all right? All right? God says, be fruitful and multiply. If somebody tells you the world's overpopulated and we need to do things to uh, control the population, I don't think you should listen to that person, all right? God created the earth. He created the sun. He created the atmosphere. He created the waters and the creatures. If God says those things are good, they're good, right? They're good for you. And if somebody's telling you, God made cows. If they're telling you cows are bad, they're probably not good. Are you following me? All right? God made animals. He filled the earth. If he tells you that, baby, that children are good, they're an inheritance from the Lord, they are a good thing. Do not believe the people who tell you that things that God said are good are bad. Resist those people. You know, we were reading, and uh, Sean was reading Scripture uh, in verse 5, chapter 5, and uh, I don't want to get off in the weeds too much, but he says, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testi testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you pay failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. If you look at the world today, you look at Sri Lanka, you look at the Netherlands, there is, they're crying out of the harvesters. And there are wealthy people who have made decisions at a top-down level that have wrecked the Sri Lanka. They, they were a, an up-and-coming uh, economy. They're, they were prospering. They were doing well. And there's people that look at things 
that God created and called them good, said they're bad, and they implemented changes, and the, the country has collapsed, and the, the people have revolted. The harvesters, the farmers, are crying out. You can look at this stuff. You look at the Netherlands. There's a farmer's revolt. The farmers, the harvesters, are crying out because people who say that things that God called are good or bad have made decisions and implemented changes that uh, are having evil consequences. I want to go to the World Economic Forum and just read the first part of James chapter 5. I want to go to Davos. I want to go to some of those, some of those guys. We can pray for those people. Uh, verse 7 I found very comforting, and I want to encourage you. If you're, some of you guys are people that pay attention to things going on in the world, you know. Um, and some of us are just, and, and we're not, and that's okay. You don't, you don't have to know everything that's going on. Um, raise your family, love your wife, love your husband, care for your kids, uh, and you'll do well. Love the Lord, seek the Lord. Verse 7, he gives this uh, encouragement. James says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. It's like a simple, simple verse. But when Sean read that, that, that was a, a balm, a, sal, a salve. How do you say that, Brandy? Salve, salve. It was a, it was a healing ointment to my heart. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. There's things that get me worked up. I'm going to be patient until the Lord's coming. We can just believe God's word, and it, it heals our heart, and it brings order to our lives. So is anyone among you in trouble? It could also mean, is anyone among you suffering? When you're suffering, you turn to the Lord. You pray. You pray. I have a testimony of this. Um, a couple weeks ago, I don't know, not, was, it wasn't last weekend, two weekends ago, we were in Tennessee. You know, I have trouble with time. It, like, just flies by. We were in Tennessee, and we had taken a short trip for the weekend with our, our daughters, and we were visiting some friends, and we had a you know, very nice day, Saturday, a very full day, went hiking, went to a waterfall, swimming, floating down this river, very pleasant day. And on the way back, driving out of the Smoky Mountain National Park, there was a spot that I knew about where you could jump off some rocks into some water. And we pulled in there, and there's a guy up there. He was, like, standing like he was going to do a backflip, and he was taking a long time. So we were kind of watching him. And in the time it took for him to jump, my daughters decided they wanted to get out and go over there. Uh, and uh, I don't know if this is just, uh, you know, sometimes we suffer from things other people have done to us, Right? Sometimes we're, uh, we also suffer from our own choices and consequences. I'm not sure. Like, and sometimes we just suffer from circumstance. Like, uh, so I don't know if this is, lies at my feet or not. But I'm standing there on this rock. My wife's a ledge above us. And the girls are jumping in. And there's a group of people around. And they want me to jump in. And I'm already kind of dried off. I didn't really want to. But the way that they phrase it, they're like, come on, Dad. How do they say it? It's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. Implying that I was afraid to jump. <laughs> you know, and they're saying it in front of like these, I guess there were some young men there, 20s. It's like, the issue isn't that I'm afraid to jump, okay? Uh, and they kept, they kept saying it, so I, it could have been a little bit of pride. Maybe this is a confession. 
perhaps I didn't, I wasn't going to tolerate that they think I might be afraid to jump. I'm holding two pairs of glasses and the only set of car keys that we have for the trip. And I'm thinking there's a bunch of people around here. I'll set the glasses down. People aren't likely to take those. And I'll toss the keys to my wife. Okay. And uh, anyway, I toss the keys. And I'm, I have a very good aim, I think. I, maybe, okay, maybe that's pride again. But uh, <laughs> I generally have a, a fairly reliable aim. And I'm tossing it. And the, there's like a, a r- part of the rock that's jutting out. And I swear it like extended, you know. <laughs> and it, the keys hit that rock and bounced behind me on this slanted rock where they're jumping off of. And it looked like, in my mind anyway, it's like sliding down this rock, weaving in and out of people's legs, avoiding their grasp as they're trying to grab it, and just slides right over the drop, probably 15 to 20 foot drop, into deep, cold, dark, fast moving water. Uh, I was in trouble, you know, I was, <laughs> my wife was very unhappy, I was in trouble, and um, anyway, <coughs> uh, I, won't let, I won't tell Brandy's version of the story, but um, she was, you know, our stuff was locked in the car, my phone and wallet was in there, most of the kids' shoes, several of us, all of our bags with everything that we had, and we are probably 30 minutes away from the place we were staying. And there were six of us, <coughs> and it was getting dark, you know, in the place where there's lots of bears and that sort of thing. Uh, so we were talking to some people, and like, nobody's going to pick you up, you know, that nobody stops and helps people. Like, I've tried to walk and get rides. Uh, it just seemed like a difficult situation. And we gathered together, long story short, we gathered together and prayed. And as we're, like, finishing our prayer, a guy walks over and says, uh, I'll take, he had already told us that he he maybe would later take me into town so that I could figure something out. Anyway, he comes over and he says, I'll take all of you. So uh, all of us crammed into little little sedan. But he took us into town. And then by about 2 a.m. that evening, we had a new set of keys made. And the van was unlocked. And I was back with all the stuff for the hotel. But we prayed. And the answer was there when we opened our eyes, when we stopped praying, you know. And I think it was a, a beneficial thing for my kids to see that, right? Because uh, we could have, I mean, just kind of lost it or unraveled. Uh, that's just a small testimony. But if you're in trouble, and I believe James is talking to people in the course of your Christian life, if you're in trouble. And the first thing that hits me is that you have troubles. You will have troubles. You'll have troubles, right? There's some teaching that comes into the church that if you are sincerely and truly and wholeheartedly following the Lord, that you won't have any troubles. You will have troubles. Many are the troubles of the righteous. The Lord delivers them from them all. You'll have troubles, and there'll not be a few. But in this instance, uh, I think there's, a, there's degrees here. He says, is any among you in trouble? Let him pray. When you're in trouble, you turn to the Lord and you pray. Right? Uh, And this is going to be a regular occurrence. You seek the Lord. You turn to the Lord. You don't turn to other options. You don't turn to other things. You don't turn to idols. You don't shut down. You pray. You acknowledge the problem. You acknowledge your God who's greater than your problems. And you move forward. But there comes a point in your life, like in 
Verse 14, when you're not just enduring hardship, but you're weak, you're feeble, and it's almost as if you can't even pray. And it, it says sick, which also applies. This could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be emotional. When you are struggling and you can barely endure, you can barely even pray for yourself, then you go to, your, to the elders. You seek out help. You turn to the Lord and you turn to the Lord's people. Interestingly, when you're in hardship and hard times, you don't turn to people who aren't going to pray. You don't gossip. You don't complain. You don't turn to people who are going to tell you what you want to hear. You turn to people who will pray and who will bring you before the Lord, go to the Lord with you, and lift you up and give you godly wisdom. It says, anyone on you sick? Uh, and that word, like I said, it means feeble or weak. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, sometimes we endure hardship that we're able to battle. You know, daily we have hardship that we can battle, and we turn to the Lord, and we go about our day. And, and we persist. And if the problem persists and continues to overwhelm us, we enlist the help of other believers. Um, but there's also times that we're, we have, we're going well, things are well, we are blessed, and we rejoice and we pray to the Lord. I was thinking about it, uh, and I mentioned like I like to study about our body. I was thinking about uh, our, we have an autonomic nervous system. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to get things wrong. But we have a sympathetic response and a parasympathetic response. Has anybody ever heard of this? This is the things they've, they've studied. And the sympathetic response is like a, a fight or flight response. And uh, our body responds differently. Our organs our functions, some functions that happen in our body when we're so stressed that we're in this fight or flight response, some systems of our body completely shut down or energy is diverted. It goes to different muscle fibers. It goes to different organs. It gives us a different response so that we can respond to trouble and we can escape that trouble. It, it primes our body to make that response. But we're not called to live there. Uh, and our parasympathetic response, I thought, th I thought this was really interesting. Um, so you have fight or flight, they call it rest and digest. You know, rest and digest, which uh, the word rest has biblical, uh, a, a biblical backing that, that exists in the Bible, does it not? There's times we're called to rest and digest. We just take in and we look at the situation. If we can do that calmly and go to God's word and analyze and seek wisdom and move forward. Those two things are at play. And it seems like James is saying, you're going to have those, those, that interplay. They call it the, I think they call it the autonomic tone, the, the balance between those two. And I think we should be living lives as a Christian where we will encounter hardship. We will encounter hardship. I think some people want to live a Christian life that gives them all the benefits of a relationship with the Lord with none of the responsibilities. It doesn't work that way. That's right. If you go into a relationship, let's say you go into uh, your marriage, and you only are concerned with the, the rights of that relationship or the blessings, and you're not concerned with the responsibilities that come with that relationship, you're going to wreck your marriage. That relationship's going to be wrecked. If you enter a friendship, 
if you enter any kind of relationship. And with the Lord, if you're going to the Lord, I want to not go to hell. You know, I want to have joy in my life. I want to have peace in my life. I want to have prosperity in my life. I want to have favor. But you don't walk in the responsibility of someone who serves others, takes up your cross, shares the gospel, walks it out, faces hardship. Then you're going to wreck that relationship. So a Christian life will have both seasons. And there ought to be a balance. There ought to be a blessed resting aspect to your walk with the Lord. Times of refreshing coming from his throne. Where you rest and you digest. That should be a weekly practice. You know, Scripture teaches us we have the Sabbath. But we also have a rest that remains for us to enter that we never have to leave. There's an aspect that we enter into the rest of that relationship with the Lord. But we also work it out in the world in ways that are going to bring us into conflict with the world, with the enemy, with uh, circumstances, with other people, when we try to faithfully carry out our Christian life. You guys see that at play here? There's both things are going to happen. And what's interesting, he, he just says, he says pray. And then he says sing. And then he says Go to the elders and be anointed with oil, and they'll pray. And then he says, uh, at the end of verse 15, he says, The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And that word, will make well, or that phrase, is where we get the word save or salvation. It also means preserve. And so I think there's a dual promise there. There's a promise that at times God will heal you. He'll heal you. He'll deliver you completely. But there's absolutely a promise that he will save and preserve you and he will raise you up. He'll preserve you. He'll keep you until the resurrection, which is the ultimate saving, the ultimate healing. And then he says, if they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Now, is, this is deep and we can go in. We're not going to go all the way into this, but there's times where we have sickness in our life that's a result of sin. You know, we know that. If we, if we engage in ongoing sinful behavior, it will have a detrimental effect to our health. It will have a detrimental effect to our well-being. So um, if whether we're talking physical health and just purely physical symptoms or uh, other symptoms that exist, there may be sin in our life. And it may be unbelief. It may not be just a an obvious outward practice of sin, like excessive consumption of alcohol, you know, we know that will have a detrimental effect to our well-being, to our shalom, which is a biblical word for peace. And we need to examine ourselves. That's why James writes this letter. He wants us to look at our lives, go to Scripture, examine, uh, examine all that God says, and put our lives up against that. And we find discrepancies. We find places where our lives aren't lining up. We're not believing God in areas of our life. We're not obeying God in areas of our life. And what would we do? What do we do? We just, we confess. We confess. It will happen. Hello. You will have sin in your life. And you need to deal with it. We don't cover it up. We don't cover it up. We don't ignore it. We don't hide it in the dark. We bring it into the light. Confess. I think sometimes confession is uh, 
you know, we, we make it bigger than it has to be. We make it uh, in the sense of in our mind, we think that the barrier or the obstacle or, or getting ourselves to the place where we can confess is so overwhelming that we just shut down and we don't want to think about it. But it's a blessed thing to have someone or people that you trust and to open up to them. Uh, you don't have to go into instances. Have any of you ever confessed something to someone and felt relief? and felt a release, and felt a peace. Has anybody ever done that? It's the beginning of healing, right? It's the beginning. It's not something to be avoided at all costs, to be ignored, neglected, and never thought about, right? We know that we're, we're frail, we're human. We know that about one another. So we can confess. And he says, if they have sin, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Or the fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It avails much, right? These are things that we need to put into practice. We need to do these things. These aren't throwaway verses at the end of a letter. These are things that we need to put into practice. We need to have a community that we trust people and we can exercise uh, these actions. And, and I believe, I believe 100%. It's, it seems so common sense. If we do these things, God will bring that shalom, that well-being. He'll put things in order. He'll bring that health, emotional, spiritual, physical health. There's some physical health conditions that we may have to walk out the rest of our lives, but he will preserve us. But he will bring healing to our bodies, healing to our relationships, and healing to our society. I believe it. You know, the interesting thing about confession, um, I'm going to try to find this on my phone because I was looking up this, uh, I was studying this, and uh, I didn't write it all down. Have to give me a second here, okay. Um, it was basically talking about confession, and, and uh, Rusty, Rusty will probably have some history on this. It said, "Real, deep, genuine confession of sin has been a feature of every every genuine awakening or revival in the past 250 years, but it isn't anything new, as demonstrated." by the revival in Ephesus recorded in Acts 19, 17 through 20, which says, many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. And that was Christians. Many who believed came confessing. Confession is a forerunner to revival. When God moves, now I'm not saying, you know, we, I'm not sure if it's the, the cart or the horse, the chicken or the egg, but when God moves genuinely over our hearts, there's a desire or at least a, a courage to confess that is contagious and, and begins a work of God that's powerful and lasting. Are you following me? So I, uh, back to my original thought, this is something to be obeyed. I think we ought to not be listeners only, correct? Correct? Not only be hearers, but doers of the word. 
I'm going to ask the worship team uh, to come up. And um, I, have, I don't have something orchestrated or I haven't uh, planned this out. But uh, it talks about people who are well. If, anyone, uh, if anyone's happy, okay, you can sing some songs. So if we have people in here who are happy, who are well, uh, not that you're 100% without struggle, and you would be willing to pray for people. I know that there's people, those of you here, would you stand up? You don't have to come to the front, just kind of move to the outside. If you're willing here uh, to pray with people, and, and you're in a place where uh, God's working in your life, and you're walking with the Lord, and, and you're open to that and, and brave to that, just move to the outside here, please. Okay, you can look around. You can see what's going on. Even if you're a guest, if, if you're willing to do that. If you are enduring hardship, all right? If any one of you is in trouble, if you're enduring hardship, I would put myself in that category. So I'm going to go to somebody and ask for prayer. If you're enduring hardship, you can go to one of these folks, and they want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Uh, we're going to sing a song, and we'll probably end with a, a happy song. So we'll be able to do that if we're happy. And hopefully by the end of it, I would love it if we were all happy and we could all rejoice together. Um, if any of you are sick, if you feel so overcome with whatever it is that you're facing, if you feel feeble, if you feel weak, that you're not able to care for yourself or to pray, if you're facing something that you don't see a way out of, uh, especially over here, my dad's here, uh, Brad there, he's got, he has some oil. Some of the elders will gather with him. We want to pray for you in that situation. We believe, in, and I can guarantee that God will preserve you. If you look to him, he will preserve you through whatever it is you're facing. We're going to pray that he heals it and that he delivers you immediately, but he will preserve you and he will raise you up. We want to pray for you. I know that some of you in here are facing things that you don't see a way out of. I know it because you tell me facing difficult situations. If you have anything, let's pray. Let's do this as a ministry portion. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. And at the end of verse 19, he said, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. If you're someone in here who's wandered away, or maybe you don't even know if you have a relationship with the Lord. You've been coming, you've been learning, you've been growing, you've been praying, but you don't know that you're saved. We want to pray for you about that too. We want to pray for you. If you have sins to confess, find somebody you trust. It doesn't even have to be somebody standing up. You can confess sins. This is the active participation portion of our, our morning. All right, and then we're going to eat together too. So they're going to play a song. This is your opportunity to respond. We're not going to be looking at you like, if you don't do anything, just stay there, it's fine. If you want to stand, if, if uh, you feel like sort of strong, so you can pray for other people, but uh, you don't want to look into the things in your heart, or, or you just want to pray for people, that's fine. Pray for Let's just participate at this moment. Let's obey. Are you with me? Does that seem like a good thing to do? Okay, I'm going to stop now. Let me just say one quick prayer.
God, we ask you to move. Jesus, we ask you to move. And uh, we want to worship you in spirit and truth. We ask for truth to prevail. Those that will pray for people, that will share the, your, your scripture with them. Bring scriptures to mind. Let truth prevail. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, God, on earth as it is in heaven. And we ask you to 